Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another week of the Wishing You Wellness podcast. Whether it's your first time here or you've been here since day one, thank you so much for tuning in. It is amazing to have you guys. I am back today in the virtual recording studio again, and I am fortunate enough to be interviewing another fabulous, fabulous person. Her name is Megan, and she is a mindset coach. But what caught my eye about her is she specializes in something that I'm currently experiencing and living through, which is the quarter life crisis. And I know a lot of my listeners are in their mid-20s, late-20s, and so I'm sure you guys can resonate a lot with that and just with all of the crazy-ass changes and the turbulence that you experience in your mid-20s as you're transitioning from a college kid, from somebody living at home, to a full-grown fucking human. Like, it's craziness. And so, Megan, I would love to welcome you onto Wishy Wellness, and if you want to, just take up some space, introduce yourself, a little bit about who you are, what lights you up, all that good stuff. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I am super fucking hyped to be here. I love your vibe. I love everything you're doing. So seriously, such an honor. I appreciate it. Um, Yes, my name is Megan. I live in San Diego, California, but I'm from Maryland. Um, (laughs) I'm a huge traveler. Yeah, it's it's great. It's like finally sunny here today. It's been really gloomy, which is not normal. But we're soaking up the sunshine. We're going to go lay on the beach after this. Why not? Um, I, yeah, I'm from Maryland, live in San Diego. I've been here for about three years, I would say. Um, and I am a mindset and life transformation coach specifically for women in their quarter life crisis. And I can share a little bit more later on just what that means essentially and what I specialize in with that. But yeah, I love to travel. I love to hike. Um, I love to eat a fuck ton of food and <laughs> we would get along just, so well like we would buy yes. crazy we're gonna meet one day we're gonna meet in person in San Diego I'm calling this in right now the universe is listening the universe streams my podcast and it's hearing this right now so I'm gonna come to San Diego and me and Megan are gonna have tacos on the beach and it's gonna be a dream oh oh my gosh yes that is just such, that's everything I want let's do it please <laughs> all I want in life okay so my favorite question to ask coaches because I have a lot of coaches come on I am a mental health mindset coach and so I'm in the like community and like the sphere of coaches and so a lot of my close friends and connections are coaches so my question that I love to ask my coach friends is what got you into your particular niche or little subfield of coaching because like people who do coaching on food freedom, they typically had issues with their relationship with food before, or people who do like mindset work, they struggled with their mindset. And so I'm curious what led you to your specific type of coaching and what made you choose that? Yeah, it's funny because if you ever, I mean, most of us as coaches, we probably hear the term, like think back to you three years ago, or just like you in the past. That was me. You know, I was in 
the rock bottom of the quarter life crisis. And, you know, like you said, we're still in it. Like we are in our twenties, we are still fucking in it. And it's not gonna be a, like a linear journey. It's kind of like a yo-yo, you know? So we're still there, but I would say it was just me like three, four years ago. And I blossom into a new woman <laughs> and I take what I've learned throughout my journey and apply it to my coaching and tapping more into like the spirituality, mentally, emotionally, physically. I was also a fitness coach. So I have a lot of experience in the health and wellness space as well. So kind of touching everything with it. Love that. And so when did you begin your coaching journey? Like what year was it? It was last year. So it's been about a year and a half now. And I have loved every second of it. It is not what I have expected it to be like at all, at all. It is a whole different ball game. And it is so fun to just kind of discover who you are too. Like you discover so much more about you and what you want in life and your goals. And oh my goodness, it's a journey. Amazing. And so you're in your mid twenties, late twenties. I'm turning 26 next month. So got to start paying for health insurance, baby. Woo! Girl, that's been <laughs> heavy on my mind. I'm 25 and turn 26 in December. And it's so funny because my parents actually tricked me at first. They conned me. They told me at 25, I got thrown off their insurance. And so I spent all of 24 just in a panic. And I was like, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. And then like the week before I turned 25, my mom was like, Allison, we were just hoping that you would like have a job with benefits, but like, you're still doing like all these things. So like take this last year, get a damn job with benefits and, and you're going to get kicked <laughs> off at 26. And I was like, well, thanks for the heart attack. But <laughs> so I yeah, yeah. And that shock of like, oh my gosh, it's time to take on the real bills, the big bills. I know. I know. I mean, I pay for like everything myself, you know, I am my own independent woman, but I am on my dad's insurance. So, so hey, we should just, take some help, just a little bit of help. Yeah. Is fine, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, and he texted me. He was like, Megs, I thought you get off at 27, but really it's 26. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Unfortunately, <so cute. laughs> you were like, I already did the research. I was prepared for all this. Yeah. So next month we're, we're full on adulting and we can rent rental cars. Wow impressive there's so much that we can do you think that 21 is the last exciting birthday but like if you've spent your whole life paying those charges the extra charges for renting a car you're like oh my gosh I can save so much money on not having these stupid charges for being like a year too young to drive this rental car yeah it's a little sad how much like they upcharge you but it is what it is we're we're adulting yep. no I'm excited for my 30s I've heard we were at um like a wine bar last night and the guy behind the counter was just like, your 30s are where you have a lot of balance and you kind of like figure out who you are. And you have your shit together a little bit, but, you know, still I've a little heard, crazy. Yeah, I've heard your, your, what is it? Your 30s are the new 20s. And like, yes. we just have so much time and there's so many years to enjoy. And it's like, I don't think people understand the fun doesn't even stop after that. Like you can be 60 yeah. and living your best life. I think as a society, we've decided that aging is bad and it's negative and it's this scary thing, but really it's like a beautiful thing to be lucky enough to grow old. That means that like you're on this earth and nothing's happened and you get to keep going. And so, yes. 
kind of like tying in the, the quarter life crisis thing. I'm curious to know when your quarter life crisis began and what that yeah. felt like and like what you were going through and the thoughts you were having. It was a lot. So I can, so a quarter life crisis is technically like your mid twenties, early thirties, but I consider it, and you kind of said it before, like a little bit before that, like after college, um, that's when it started for me. It was a lot. It was a lot, a lot, a lot. And I guess I can explain the story a little bit. I'll keep it high level. But um, I was kind of the first of my friends to get a job, to move out, to like move to a different state, just kind of start my life. And they were all still kind of looking and a lot of people I was surrounding with. So I was kind of the the beta fish, I guess. Um, so I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I went to college at West Virginia University. I moved to Richmond, moved into an apartment by myself. I was loving it, moved new city, new exploration. And I started this new job. And like for the first month, I was like, this is it. I'm a corporate bitch. Like, I love it. And then um, quickly it turned into, oh, fuck, no. Like I was waking up early every day, dressing business professional. I was in a toxic work environment. And then granted I also didn't have any friends and I was in a long distance relationship where he was in Taiwan so it was brutal I saw him like twice and just like the person you want to see the most like you can't no one's around you I would like go home to Maryland it was like a three-hour drive like every weekend see my friends see my mom and then I would just start crying every time like just lots and lots of crying I was depressed couldn't get out of bed and I know this is true for so many people in the nine to five world, which is why I'm very passionate about like, get the fuck out, do whatever makes you happy. And how did it turn about? This is so stupid. This one little story, but um, in Richmond and a lot of the older buildings, which I was in, there's like a lot of centipedes, a lot of centipedes. So I would see multiple a day in my apartment. I'd like kill them, gross, blah, blah. And there was this guy below me and he was like, blasting music until 4am and I just couldn't take it anymore like it was a concert it was bad I've never heard anyone like do that and then I found a centipede like on me in my bed I was like crying bawling like I was screaming on this man's door like jumping on the ground like he wasn't he had to be like passed out on something I don't know um and I was like this is it I'm just at rock bottom like that was my wake-up call I was like I'm so not here for that I don't know the centipede. It was a weird. <laughs> it's a centipede for me. No, but I get it because yeah. like when you have a bunch of shit piling up and then like one tiny little thing happens and it all comes crashing down. It wasn't that tiny thing that did it. It yeah. was like all of that stuff building up. And then you were like, yeah. God damn it, the centipede. <laughs> yeah, the centipede sent me. I was like, oh, fuck, no. And then I don't know. I just I was like, I need to change something. So that's when I started getting to yoga. I did like found yoga with Adrian, like a lot of people. Um, I started journaling, reading, listening to all the podcasts, like all the ones we both probably know and like started to grow from. And then COVID hit. So I moved home with my mom and I never went back to Richmond. I still was like paying rent. I was like, fuck this shit. Like I'm not doing it. Started pretending to work from my job for like three months. I don't know how I didn't get fired, but you know, we did it. And I was looking at jobs in San Diego, but no one was biting with a 
Maryland, Virginia address. So I put a fake address on my resume saying I lived in San Diego. Um, I someone bit, so I got a job and they thought I lived out there. So I had to move out there within like six days. I towed my car, found a roommate on Facebook, packed my stuff in two suitcases. And I'm not going to say San Diego got me out of my quarter life crisis, but it definitely helped a lot. When I was home in Maryland, I was like thinking, who is the person I need to become? What does she do? Who do I need to embody? So I did start doing a lot of like wellness girly shit. I started waking up at 5 a.m. I would meditate. I journal, like keeping consistency, which was the huge part. Mm, um, yeah. Keeping and here habits. we are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I really preach to my clients and give them as a lot of homework and what we work on together. I'm really, really big on the healthy habits because it does make us who we are at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. That consistency is so game changing because I used to like do my habits when I felt like it. And now I have like a little notion calendar for it. And every day I go through and go through them. And even though every day I'm not perfect and I don't force myself to be, even if I'm hitting like four to five out of my six or seven habits a day, think of like how much that's adding up over time. Like every single time you do habits, that's like a little coin in this bucket. Mm. And you're just like filling yeah. this bucket with coins. And one day you're going to be a fucking millionaire. And so, yeah. yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like habit stacking. And a lot of my clients also, and this took me a long time too, like they want to wake up early and that is a habit, like a morning habit. So don't just throw yourself into the 5am, start waking up at like, you know, 15 minutes earlier, like every day or like every week or, you know, whatever works for you. Mm, I'm a huge supporter of the taking baby steps and like one little step forward at a time, because like, we know how easy it is to burn out on things. And if we are not hitting our goal ever, we get so discouraged and we start losing our self-confidence, our self-worth. And so we're like, damn, I can't do it. And we give up. But if we do these like tiny micro goals that we know we're going to smash, our confidence is going up every single time. And so if you want to start waking up early, you start at 9am, then 845. I love how you said that just 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be much. And so, yeah, even five, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So if somebody is going through a quarter life crisis and let's say they don't have the capacity to move or they just don't have the ability to go far, what kinds of things could you do on a small scale to kind of like shake it up, get that creativity flowing again, and kind of just like reconnect with yourself? Because I think that a lot of a quarter life crisis is this disconnection from who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel like we're so like, I have felt this year, like so far from my inner child, so far from my, my spirit and my soul. And I've been on this mission to get back there. And so what kinds of small micro steps would you recommend for somebody? Yeah, there's two that come to my mind immediately. And I don't care who you are. This will help regardless, no matter how cold it is outside, get outside, get outside and just like sit outside for five minutes or take a walk. Like I swear to God, walking cures everything. <laughs> like if you're overthinking something, take a walk and sit on it, like everything. And it just clears your head. You're going to come back feeling amazing and light and happier, like no matter what. So get outside, just move your body and it's kind of like health and wellness tie into it too. Like I would say, move your body like 30 minutes a day. That's kind of my core thing. And I encourage people to do. And then also do something that makes you happy. 
like just one thing a day. That's something I preach a lot on my social media is like, what's one thing you're doing every day to like make you happy, you're having fun. And like you said, when you do that, that ties back into your inner child. Mm. That could be a walk for you. That could be like people color, like there's adult coloring books, you know, (laughs) like if that's what you're loving and having fun with, like do that. I don't know anything you want. I think it's beautiful that, yeah, exactly. We don't know what each specific person is going to uh, like enjoy and do for happiness and joy. And so like every single person out there, like you can take this and make this your own. Like maybe it is gardening or maybe it's going to salsa Mm. dancing class or maybe it's skydiving. Like there's no limitations, just finding things that bring you joy and doing those. And I'm somebody who's very like ambitious and goal oriented. And I love to like set goals and knock them down, but I catch myself sometimes getting obsessed with work and with hustle and with grind Mm. and getting it done. And so to kind of like curb that a little bit, instead of just having, so I have these notes on my phone and it's like daily checklist and like weekly to do's and all of these things. And I have them on notion Trello, they're everywhere. And so finally I created one that's called live a little, and it has like a little disco ball. And it's just like a list of a shit ton of fun, adventurous, just crazy or chill, like things that I enjoy doing that have no actual purpose. So all of my other to-do lists are like, do this for this reason, do this for that reason. My live a little list is literally just like, go roller skating, go ice skating, go thrift shopping, go see this person and go to a show together, go do this, go do that. And it's just like random things. And so every week I get on that list and I'm like, okay, I have to do at least one, preferably more than that. Like, and they are not productivity related. I think it's important for us to have time in our life that's dedicated to being unproductive because if we're productive 100% of the time, we're going to burn out quick. We're going to feel bad. We're going to just feel cynical about the work that we're doing. And we're going to lose that spat, that spark, that spark, that passion. (laughs) Like we're just not going to feel good. Oh my God. Everyone listening, go make a list like that. That is huge. I love that so fucking much. I'm going to do that. I don't even have that. It's like, sort of my brain, you know, but like just to have it on hand when you are kind of down in the dumps in a day or something, like no matter what's happening, go look at that list, pick one thing from it and do it. That is so awesome. Love it. Love it. Exactly. That's your guys' homework from this episode. (laughs) And (laughs) so the next thing I want to ask is what kind of has started getting you out of the quarter life crisis and back into just like normal life and feeling good again? Like what kinds of things are helping you make that transition? Yeah, I think the number one thing is gratitude. And it's so like, you you might've heard that, like people say you have to give gratitude every day, but like you do. And what does that mean? Just be thankful for everything that you have, everything that's coming into your life. And I recently did like a one-on-one session with my friend and I was kind of like that specific day, I was kind of down in the the dumps and she was like, I want you to go take a walk outside and look at the trees and give gratitude just like to your surroundings. Like, and that's what I do in general. Like I will go outside, I will take a walk and just look at the trees, look at the flowers, look at the water, wherever I'm at and just be thankful. And I don't, I'm sure you've heard this, but like waking up and literally saying, thank you. Just thank you for being grateful. And I think that's a really big step, but also I'm not going to lie. Journaling has changed my life. And it's funny. It might be like, Oh, journaling, like 
so cliche, but it is because you can tap deeper into yourself and discover who you are, what you want in life, and then do that shadow work, that inner child work when you're ready um, and you're open to it. So that takes a whole, that's a whole nother level, but you know, it really does build and build and build once you get into it. Totally. And journaling, I mean, at first I thought it was so cheesy and I was so resistant at first. And I was like, no, why do I want to sit? I have nothing to write. You know, I have nothing to write. (laughs) But then when I started doing it, I was like, wow, this is giving me the ability to tap into a level of consciousness and awareness that I just can't really get to without it. Like I struggle a lot with meditation. That's something that's very difficult for my neurodivergent brains when people are like, just sit and meditate on it. I'm like, that's hard for me. But journaling is almost my form of meditation because I'm present with my thoughts. It's a stream of consciousness as I'm typing. And sometimes I will literally just type and type and type. I do it that way. I always have press-ons for the most part. And so I can't write with pen and paper very well, but I'll be typing away on my (laughs) laptop. And I find that like, sometimes I'll learn things about myself during journaling that I didn't even realize or recognize. Fuck. Yes. It's so true. And Sometimes I'll just like take my ass to the beach or wherever I'm at outside and I'll journal until like I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that's really what was the issue or that's really what I could do or want to do. Like so many things come up Um, and I had another thing pop up in my mind, just like getting from point A to point B and like the journey of it. Get out of your comfort zone, like do something at least once a week but if you could every day to just do something that makes you uncomfortable that's how you grow um and that could even look like going to a coffee shop by yourself and just like having a drink with coffee or taking yourself to dinner take yourself out on a date like next month I'm I'm gonna go see John Mayer I've never seen him and I love him and I didn't even ask anyone to come with me I'm like I'm gonna take myself out on a date I'm going to get dressed up, take myself to a nice dinner and then go to the concert alone and just vibe. It's so good for us to be uncomfortable. I love that you emphasize that because I, so I am in addiction recovery. And one of the big things is learning how to face the discomfort because what causes addicts to relapse over and over again is we'll get uncomfortable or like, I shouldn't say will, I don't want to over-identify the people Mm -hmm. with substance abuse issues will become like uncomfortable or just feel like a negative feeling and be like, no, I don't want to feel that I'm going to use, I'm going to numb out. I'm going to hide from that feeling. And so something that I've really leaned into during this part of my sobriety journey is just like being uncomfortable as much and as Mm -hmm. often as I can. And so sometimes that looks exactly like taking a cold shower when I don't want to, or last night I went to karaoke with my friends and everybody was going. And I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to go up there because like, I'm a, I'm like one of those perfectionists that it's hard for me to do things and not be good at them. Like if I'm going to do something, I want to be good. I want to feel good about it. And so for me being not great at something is hard. And so karaoke, like literally it's four amateurs. It's four sucking is so hard for me, but I forced myself to get up on stage and I did it. And I was shaking like a leaf the whole time, but I got down and I was like, I'm proud of myself because it's temporary discomfort for proving to myself that I am capable of doing scary things in the name of fun or, you know, for growth or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's literally three minutes long of uncomfort. It can be a whole minute long of uncomfort. And some, yeah, like you said, a cold shower, like there's, you can, you can do a cold plunge. Mm-hmm. That's a whole, 
30 seconds of uncomfort if you really want to choose it, but you have to be open to it. Yeah. So that's also important to know. Yeah. I had a lot of resistance. So cold showers are one of the things that I really like. I know that there's a lot of like discomfort at the beginning with the cold showers, but once you get into the habit of them, they're really, really helpful. And so, but funny story. So my apartment didn't have hot water for like 32 days. And during that time, at first I was taking cold showers and I was just rolling with it, whatever. But about halfway through, I broke down and I was like, no more cold showers. I can't take them. Like it's so much different when you're taking a cold shower out of choice versus it being the only option. Like it's like, yes. Oh God. 32 days. You're champ. But now look at you, look at you now, but now look at me. I was showering at friends' <laughs> houses and in my sink, but I finally got my water back two days ago. And so I've been celebrating by taking like these long showers. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go back to my shorter, like seven minute and under showers for the environment soon. But for right now, I haven't showered in a month in nice warm water. So I'm going to soak it up. <laughs> Oh girl, you treat yourself. You deserve it. The long luscious shower. So I would like to transition and make the second part of this episode kind of about inner child stuff. If you're down, because I am very connected to that personally. I lead inner child healing retreats. I have two this year, one in Colorado, one in Tampa. And so super, super excited for that. And I also have a live event called rekindle happening in like three weeks. And it is also inner child focused. And so we're going to do workshops, like standing up to the bully in your mind, how to have more fucking fun, like all focused on the inner child stuff, but it's going to be like, I'm really going to focus on the duality of like what inner child healing is because inner child healing is literally, it's a dual thing. It is the Mm -hmm. fun and the treating yourself and the being kind to yourself and the giving yourself yes days and making yourself feel good but it's also tough love and discipline and consistency and boundaries and looking out for your best interest and sometimes saying no to yourself. And so I really like to highlight both sides of inner child work. Sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's journaling and sobbing your eyes out. And sometimes it's buying yourself gummy worms and going to the movies like inner child work is cool because it's so diverse. What kind of experience have you had with your own personal inner child healing? Yeah, I would say tapping a lot into like the way I think and why I do what I do and very much recently within the past year I'd say money mindset has been huge for me very huge like I've overcome a lot and I'm still doing it with a lot of inner child work but I'd say my main form of doing that like you mentioned is the journaling and just like crying my eyes out (laughs) that's huge like that's what hits for me but also the duality, like you mentioned. Yeah. There are definitely times when I'm working with my inner child and I'm just a holy hot mess and just like in tears and processing because, you know, our inner child, no matter how great of a job our parents did, we probably have some sort of inner child wound. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big one. Maybe we have a slight abandonment wound or a slight, whatever it is. But I think that like everybody has some kind of healing to do from adolescence. And that's normal in the world that we live in. It is normal to have some level of healing to do. And I, it's funny because I didn't have any connection with my inner child until like this last year or two. And before that 
I kind of noticed that like, I did have these issues coming up where like, I couldn't just do things for fun. Like if I did anything, I had to be good. I had to be the best. And I noticed that that there was like this little voice in me that believed that if I wasn't good at something, I shouldn't be doing it. And so I've been doing a lot of deconstructing of that and understanding like it is safe to just show up and have a good time. Like it is safe to embarrass yourself or to be silly or to wear something that doesn't match. Like it is safe to be imperfect and not always like be fully put together. Exactly. Um, a lot of what I've been doing the past year too is doing inner child work with friendships and relationships and people in my life. And because of that, I've cut out quite a bit of people in the past year and made my circle a lot smaller just because of like clickiness and like things in the past. I'm like, why do I feel this way? Like, what was my childhood like with these friendships? What did it look like? And what's the word I'm trying to say? I felt really uh, like it was clicky and it was like me like thinking that way, like, oh, they're going to judge me. Oh, they're going to like, just be like, exclude me. That's the one I'm trying to say. And I felt like I brought that into my world and relationships now. Yeah. And this past year, I've done a lot of work to remove that and understand that. And now we're doing a lot better. I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> we're on a journey. We're better every day. We're not perfect, but we are, we are working on it. And so what kind of advice would you have for somebody who has never been in touch with their inner child? I know. Okay. So I want to share mine first and then I'm going to give you some yeah. space. So mine is if you've never connected with her before, I heard this tip on a podcast a while ago, and it's really, really been helpful for me. Find a picture of yourself, text your grandma, your aunt, your mom, whoever it is, and have them send you a picture of young you, little you, maybe she's wearing a bow. Maybe she's in her tutu. Maybe she has her binky, whatever and put her as the wallpaper on your phone, put her as your background. And so every time you look at your phone, you think of her and it's really helped me because when I'm making decisions, sometimes I'm impulsive or I'm seeking instant gratification rather than long-term benefit. And I've started implementing this question into all of my decisions, what would serve her? And I think about this tiny Allison and it's like, how could I go on a date with somebody who's mean to me? If I'm thinking of tiny me, how could I let a friend say mean things to me when I'm thinking of little me? How could I, you know, like when we're thinking about her, it's a lot easier to be protective of ourselves and our energy and our time and our resources, because we're thinking of a more innocent and young version of ourselves. The older we get, I feel like we struggle more and more because we're humans. We're going to make mistakes, right? We're going to be human and we feel shame building up and guilt and grief and all of these sad feelings. And so- yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've seen that around like on social media and people doing that, but also I've seen people actually make Instagram posts like other coaches, probably more likely of like a little letter to their younger self. And what I would do and what I have done and suggest for someone who's just looking to start this inner child work is write a letter to yourself, write a whole letter to your younger self and pour your heart out onto it and say whatever you need to say to her as the little six-year-old you were, however old you want it to be. But, and just give yourself all the love, all the love in the world. Tell her it's all going to be okay. 
And at the end of that letter, another one that I heard that I loved was write down all of those things that you feel guilty about or that you're struggling to forgive yourself with. I know this sounds so crazy, but write it down and then write down, I forgive you. That's it. And just write down each and every one and then write, I forgive you. And it sounds so like hippy dippy. And it's like, how could that work? But it's like, if you've never even said out loud or written down that you forgive yourself, how is your brain going to know that? How is your mind going to know that it is okay now and that we're no longer holding a grudge and mad at it and angry? Like, how can we let our mind and our spirit know, like, we forgive you. You did the best that you could at the time. You did mess up. That, that sucked. You sucked during that period, but yeah, you're a human and you're figuring it out and you're going to make these mistakes. That's part of the learning curve of being a human. Yes. I fucking love that. I also had another thought come up and this is an exercise that everyone can do. And I honestly haven't done it myself, but I think it would be really helpful. Like this is just a spur of the moment. So um, I recently became certified as an NLP practitioner and one of the exercises we did at NLP was called Ho, Ho, Pono, Pono, which essentially what I would love everyone for to do and what I'm going to do, I just haven't done it because it's so new to me is imagine a stage and imagine yourself walking up and there's two, well, there's two chairs on the stage. So imagine you're sitting on one chair and then your younger self is sitting on the other chair and you're talking to each other and like in your mind, this is visualization and you're saying whatever you want to say to your younger self. And she's going to say whatever she wants you to hear back. And then you say, I forgive you. And then if you want to say, thank you, I love you. That would be something really, really beneficial to do crying I think that's so amazing <laughs> and so oh, that that training was beautiful just so many awesome tools but yes please if you want to check it out you can go to YouTube and type in Ho'oponopono Dr. Matt James and I'm sure there's a better explanation but that's like very high level amazing I love it and so while we're on this journey to healing our inner child, how do you think that we can show ourselves grace? Cause I know sometimes it just feels impossible and sometimes we get down on ourselves and we're really hard on ourselves. So how can we embrace our human nature and just be accepting of ourselves and this journey filled with ups and downs? Yeah. You know what I'm going to say again? <laughs> gratitude, 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 gratitude. Just be thankful for where you're at. And even if life is totally shitty right now, just be thankful that there is so much that you can bring to the table and where you're at in life, everything that surrounds you. Um, and just giving yourself some more grace. Again, what makes you happy? Pour into yourself, pour into that self-love. And that could be the things that make you have fun, tapping into what you like to do as an inner child, like in the past and whatever that might be. Like, for example, um, I have been horseback riding and dancing since I was a child. And those are what light me up. And that is what gives me grace when I'm kind of in the dumps, like even now. So move your body, feel yourself and feel the fucking emotions and know that they're valid, whatever you may be going through. Oh, feel I love the feels. that. Feel the yes. feels. Can you, can yeah. you like emphasize on that a little more? Because I love that. I think a lot of us try to hide from feelings or outrun them or get away from them. How can we feel the feels? 
if you're fucking crying and just bawling like and nothing's even wrong for example you just want to cry like a good cry just feel those feels and don't be afraid to hide them and if you're feeling shame just feel it and then you can either still be stuck in that shame but we don't want that so you can let go and surrender Mm. surrender to whatever that shame may be because when you surrender you'll let it go beautiful surrender is one of the most powerful tools in this entire existence like it is seriously such a powerful tool and any of us can access it right it's not something you have to buy or find like it is in you radical acceptance yes I feel like it took me a very long time to understand like what is surrender everyone says it what is it but it really is just letting go and just giving whatever the situation is just giving it to the universe your higher self whatever it might be and just trust that it's trust the process it's going to be okay just trust I think another part to a radical acceptance that I've recently started kind of unpacking and working with is this concept that like, we tell ourselves a lot of stories. Like anytime something happens, we assign it so much meaning. Somebody didn't text me back. Oh, they hate me. Somebody mm-hmm. looked at me weird, whatever. Sometimes, most of the time, we need to like take those stories and let them come and then go instead of grabbing onto them and clinging on and like going deeper down the rabbit hole, sometimes it's just accepting that sometimes things happen. And we try to create stories to keep ourselves safe so that we can predict what will happen next. But the reality is you guys, none of us has a dang clue what is going to happen next. We have no idea. That is the joy, the beauty and the horror of this world. We've got no idea. (laughs) How exciting is that though? Yeah. And it's like, anything is possible. And one of my favorite sayings, what the fuck is the worst that'll happen? What's the worst that'll happen? You don't know. You have no idea. What's the best thing that could happen? I don't know. Could be anything. Mm -hmm. How often do we think about the best case scenario? I feel like we obsess about the worst case scenario as a way to protect ourselves, which is understandable, right? We just want to protect ourselves and that's okay. But what happens when we consider the best case scenario? I think we make more space for that base case scenario to come into fruition in reality. Oh, fucking amen. I want to read this card. Oh, let me grab it. Yeah, we are. Um, I was at a, I was at a cafe and I was just chatting with this guy and he was leaving. Um, We were just like telling each other our stories and he just moved here and he was like, this is for you. I'm like, Oh my God, thank you. But it says focusing upon a solution brings you positive emotion Focusing upon a problem brings you negative emotion. While the differences are subtle, they are very important for when you are feeling positive emotion, you are attracting into your experiences that which you want. When you are feeling negative emotion, you are in the process of attracting that which you do not want. And then the front says, when focusing upon solutions, I feel good. So the solutions here would be the term, what's the best thing that could happen? Mm. anything yeah absolutely anything like there are literally endless possibilities in this world how cool oh I love it just having an open mind trusting the process surrendering to the universe or whatever you may call it that is when the good comes into your life and what you're looking for 
And it's, it's so unexpected every single time. It's not what you think it's going to be. It's going to be something better. Mm. What kinds of, what kinds of boundaries do you think would protect your inner child? And like, what kinds of boundaries could we set like for the, for like the well being of our inner child? Like, what could that look like? Mm, that's a good question. I that's feel like, I feel like that could go so many different ways. Oh my gosh. I'm kind of stuck on that one. I but think like big, when I think a big one for me that's coming through just like super clear as day is just like limiting your media intake and just like, yeah, being smart about how much media you're intaking. Like you can check your social media as much as you want. You can watch the news, but when we're doing it all day, every day, like would we ever let a small child sit in front of the news and watch bombing after bombing and shooting right. after shooting and then get on social media where they're compared to all these other kids like we would never let that happen and so I think one that's big for me is like making sure that when social media starts to feel draining and starts to feel tiring taking a break stepping back going on a little hiatus or a detox or whatever it is and just like giving myself that space and protecting yeah that inner spirit yeah yeah I would say that goes along with negativity like just any negative thoughts that are funneling in and you and being self-aware is huge that's like that's like the number one compliment I get one of them is just you are so self-aware I'm like thank you I know I am <laughs> but drama thank you they yes, yeah <laughs> yeah but just having that self-awareness and when you notice any negativity coming in and that could come from the social media or just things people I don't know in your life are saying to you it could be anything just having that self-awareness to pause and funnel it out in whatever way works for you just noticing it and catching it so it's not funneling into that inner child I've noticed that something that I struggle with is just casual complaining especially when it's group talk like if I'm in a group and everyone's like it's so hot outside and also this sucks I'm the first one to be like yes it is this does suck and like (laughs) noticing like how much that doesn't serve me it doesn't provide any value or like add anything to my life and so I'm recognizing like those are the times I need to step out take a deep breath in get some perspective and just walk away from it. Like my life doesn't need more complaining or more, you know, just endless feedbacks of negativity. The thing is like, I am a big believer that good vibes only is bullshit. Like I think we're human. We're going to feel all of the things. We're going to feel good, bad, everywhere in between. But I think that it's possible to feel good more than we allow ourselves. I think that we're all a little bit addicted to suffering and addicted to like Mm -hmm. not knowing what's going to come next and fear and all of these like chemicals, like adrenaline, like we're addicted to it. I think that we could stand to like spend a little more time feeling happy, but it's hard because at first when you're feeling happy for the first time, you're like, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. I have never either been in a happy relationship or been in like these good positive friendships and it feels weird but if we allow ourselves to sink into that and just like let it come in we're in Mm, we're golden oh I love that but it's funny because that does like contradict because we do need to feel those feels to experience the good but yes we're definitely 1000% obsessed and addicted to the pain Mm -hmm. sometimes but it doesn't have to be that way. She nailed it. She nailed it. So what <laughs> ways can we practice just allowing ourselves to feel more joy, to feel more happiness, to feel more 
like relaxation? How can we let those good feelings last just even a second longer before we start doing this stuff to self-sabotage or to push it away? How can we just extend that one more second? You know, I feel like this might not go along with the one more second, but really understanding what is bringing you stress and just unhappiness in your life right now. And that goes into digging a little bit deeper. It could be things you might not even realize, but surface level, you probably do. (laughs) I mean, it could be a job, a relationship. It could be your living situation. It could be anything, but just really starting to drive away from those things that aren't making you happy or aren't serving you anymore and go do something that does, (laughs) which takes time. It takes time to really hone in on that, but it's always coming up and it will come up in some way shape or form yeah oh amazing this is such a beautiful conversation I have loved this so much Megan how about you tell my listeners how they can connect with you how they can just be in your world where can they find you yes you can find me on Instagram and my username is at mindset with Megan and I'm in the process of building my website so hopefully within Next week, you can find me also at quarterlifecollective.com. So be on the lookout for that. But thank you so much for having me. This was such a good conversation. Like you mentioned, I love getting to chat with you and all the quarter life crisis things. (laughs) This is amazing. I feel like this is going to be very, very relatable for a lot of my mid-20s baddies who are like, what is going on? What is this huge shift? Why am I feeling all of these things? I'm so confused. Where do I go? So hopefully this will provide some solace and people can see a lot of us are going through this and it's kind of a part of it. And yeah, Yeah, it's a part of the journey. Like absolutely. And it wouldn't be the same if you didn't have all these crazy life experiences happening to you they're happening for you so remember that gorgeous love it love it well thank you so much for coming on megan this has been amazing also thank you guys so much for tuning in if you like this episode feel free to give it a rating and review also feel free to share on your story and tag megan and i we would love to hear from you if this episode particularly resonated hop in my dms love hearing from you guys and yeah quick reminders before we hop off i think there's just one today if you haven't joined my free mental health support community on discord do that. Come get new music, a pin pal, mental health support resources. You can get everything from this discord. It's really just the best thing ever and it's free. So hit me up. I'll send you the link for that. And yeah, this has been real and amazing. And this has been, I'm trying to think of the words. I always end with like some adjectives. What are some adjectives to describe this conversation? Mm. Uh, I was going to say real as shit, but <laughs> I love that. Stop. I love that. We're doing that. All right. This has been real as shit. This has been wishing you wellness. Mm -hmm.